Station in North Georgia. Welcome to the New Bridge broadcast with the services from New Bridge Baptist Church, located on Cleveland Highway, one mile north of the State Patrol Office, near the entrance to Laurel Park. Pastor Milton Harris invites you to join them for their services all week long, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and on Wednesday night. Now let's join the services already in progress from the New Bridge Baptist Church of Gainesville. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to New Bridge Baptist Church. It's good to see each of you out this morning. If you would, get your book, stand with us, and turn to page 203. <laughs> chapter number 7 let's pick up with verse number 7 he said therefore I will look unto the Lord I will wait for the God of my salvation my God will hear me rejoice not against me O my enemy when I fall I shall rise when I sit in darkness Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. We go back and look in verse number 7 and the prophet made a statement here. He said, when I sit in darkness, and we want to, just for a few minutes, bring a message on this title, Sitting in the Dark. Micah is one of the 12 what we call minor prophets. They're not called minor prophets because they're less important, but it's because their writings aren't as long as what we consider the major prophets. We know that uh, we have uh, Isaiah, 
Jeremiah, Lamentations, and Ezekiel, and Daniel uh, there as those major prophets. And then we get into the minor prophets. Uh, there where we have Hosea, uh, there uh, uh, Joel and Amos. We have uh, Obadiah. Uh, there we have uh, Jonah and Micah. We have then Nahum, and then we have Abaca, and uh, we have Zephaniah. We have uh, Haggai, Zechariah, Melchi. All these are considered the, the, the minor prophets. But this little prophet right here, boy, I mean, I'm telling you, it, it's full of, of a lot of God's work and a lot of God's prophecy. In this book, six of Micah's prophecies have already come to pass. Let me just share here. The, the fall of Samaria which we know this was the northern tribes of Israel in 722 B.C. He prophesied this in the first chapter. The invasion of Judea, uh, there he prophesied that in the first chapter. The fall of Jerusalem, which we know began to take place in 605 B.C. Uh, there with Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians and finally wound up in 586 B.C. He prophesied that. In chapter 3 and here in chapter 7. The exile and the Babylonian captivity in chapter 4, verse 10. The return from captivity. There he prophesied that in chapter 4 and chapter 7. And then he prophesied the birth of the Messiah. The birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. All of these prophecies of Micah have come about, have come uh, the past. Now, Micah was a prophet to the southern uh, part, the southern tribes uh, there, Judah and Benjamin. He was a contemporary of Isaiah. And it was often known Isaiah was the prophet there to royalty, and Micah was the prophet there to the common man. He was raised uh, more like he was more like a country boy out there prophesying while Isaiah there had access into the very throne. We find uh, here that uh, Amos before him uh, there uh, talked about religious corruption and so on. Hosea was to the northern tribes and ministered during the reign. But I want you to get this. Micah ministered during the reign of Jothan, uh, which was an okay king, uh, Ahaz, which was wicked king, and Hezekiah, which was a good godly king. The problem was, with these good kings, they could never completely turn the nation back around from its adulterous ways. And can I just say, that's kind of scary when you think about America and you think about the past, especially the last two or three years that we've been headed. And you think about even if we elect somebody in uh, there without God's hand being upon them, without God intervening, how much good will they be able to do to overturn what the wickedness that has been done in the last few years? But you know what? We need to pray, don't we? We need to pray. With God, all things are possible. Amen?
Uh, so think about that uh, here. Uh, he did prophesy on up into the Babylonian captivity. One of the uh, outlines that I run across, I'm just going to give you this right quick, is uh, retribution, punishment, or judgment. Second, restoration, uh, promise, and the promise of the millennial and the first and second advents are covered in Micah, and then repentance and pardon. But now, let me say this about Micah, and I want to get into this, but this is some uh, interesting, or it was very interesting to me, and I wanted to share this with you. One of the most quoted verses in the book of Micah and used is Micah uh, 6, 8. He said, He have showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doeth the Lord require of thee? Now, they're saying here that the Lord gave to Micah what God requires of mankind, men and women, boys and girls. And here it is, to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Simply put, he talks about a committed life. Doing that, that's right in the eyes of God and treating people right. So it's a committed life. It's a compassionate life. Love, mercy. Now, let me say today, compassion and the love of mercy has been mistaken for condoning sin. And that's not what he's saying. We should have mercy upon the sin. We should have compassion on the sin. But never, ever condone the sin. That's not what he's talking about. But a compassionate life. But then a consecrated life. They're talking about humbly walking with the Lord. He's talking about a life that there that is consecrated in serving the Lord and walking with Him. Now, this verse is used quite frequently. There, many say this is the whole theme of Christianity or religion in itself. And I thought that was kind of interesting there. I wanted to share that with you. But now, if you go on and you read chapter 6, you'll find that Micah points this out. He says sin is deceitful. He goes on to say sin is disappointing. Now I'm going to tell you the word of God says you can enjoy sin for a season. But I'm going to tell you what that season will come to an end. And it will leave you disappointed. Sin will deceive you. But he went on to say sin is distorted. Sin will distort truth. Sin will distort and so he said all of this, and then the first verse in chapter 7 is uh, there, as he talks, he says, Woe is me. In chapter 7, woe is me. So we see uh, here, the thing in Micah is during his day, it was a dark time because sin was everywhere. But then... Let me say, he goes on, and Micah, you see the prophetic revelation in it, that Micah is talking about, hey, there's going to be a dark time called the tribulation time on, here in this world. And that's going to be a, a dark time. And so he, he talks about these dark times. But let me say, you and I can have dark times in our life. 
And I hope this will be a help to you. First of all, let's look at it from this standpoint, identifying the darkness. We need to identify the darkness. Sometimes you and I are sitting in the dark. Now you say, preacher, wait a minute. We've been born again. We're the light of the world. But I'm going to tell you, God doesn't always reveal to us what He's doing in our life. And sometimes uh, there uh, we're sitting in darkness. So we need to identify the darkness. Let me say, first of all, darkness as a condition. There is a physical darkness. The psalmist says that thou makest darkness, and it is night. In Exodus, he said, The Lord sent unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand toward heaven, and there shall be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Remember when Jesus was on the cross? Uh, there he said, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land, and to the ninth hour. In other words, from noon to three there was darkness. So there is that physical, natural darkness. But let me say, there's also the spiritual darkness. In Ephesians 5, 8, he said, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light, and the Lord walk as the children of the light. 1 Peter 2, 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of him who have called you out of darkness, into the marvelous light. John 3, 19, And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. Let me say there is a spiritual darkness, and this is for the lost soul. This is for the soul that don't know Jesus. They're in spiritual darkness. And the, as the Lord Jesus said, men had... I'd rather I live and walk in darkness than to get their hearts right because their hearts and minds are constantly on evil. Let me say in our nation today, I believe that's where we're at. People don't want the light. They don't want what's right. They'd rather live in darkness because they're in, hey, they're in, think they are in any way, enjoying their evil way. I want to tell you, I thought about what Paul had wrote over there in Romans that said they don't only uh, they're, uh, take and, and do the sins themselves, but they take pleasure in broadcasting and, and take pleasure in others uh, there in sin. A lot of our shows today, by the way, uh, they make fun of me at the house because everything I watch is Tales of Wells Fargo, uh, you know, Gunsmoke, uh, uh, all this stuff, uh, a lot of black and white, black, you know, some of them good old movies, you know. Uh, those are the things I watch. Because a lot of the newer stuff does nothing but promote ungodliness. And that's sad. 1971, I believe it was, somewhere thereabouts, CBS took the dark side and canceled shows there like the Beverly Hillbillies and uh, maybe RFD and all that and went to mold and, and shows like that that promoted all kind of ungodliness. You see, why? Because people had rather have darkness. So there is the darkness as a condition. There is a darkness as a consequence. But hey, look at sin. 
Jeremiah said, Give glory to the Lord your God before he calls darkness and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains. Romans 1, 21, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither was thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. In Ephesians 4, 18, Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So we see that there is a darkness as a consequence, but consequence of sin. But let me say, there is a darkness not only a consequence of sin, but of saint, satanic oppression. Colossians uh, there said in chapter 1, Give thanks unto the Father which hath made us uh, meet to the partakers of the inheritance of saints in light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated uh, us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Second Peter 2 4. For if God spare not the angels that sin, but cast them down into hell and deliver them chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So we see there is the satanic oppression uh, there that can bring darkness in our lives. So we see darkness as a condition physically, spiritually. We see darkness as a consequence from sin and satanic oppression. But we see darkness now as a Christian. And this is where we want to really kind of get in here. Darkness as a Christian. Job said this, He hath fenced up my way that I cannot pass, and he hath set darkness in my path. The psalmist said, and they, Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit in darkness in the deeps. So each one of these, they're talking about, uh, there. these are Godly men that are, are writing this. Uh, there Jeremiah said in Lamentation, He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. So we see darkness can be a, as a Christian. God working in our life. Let me say there's intellectual darkness. This is where uh, there God sometimes does not permit us to know. Folks, I, I don't know what lies ahead. I don't know what lies when I walk out that door. I don't know what lies this evening or if this evening will even be mine. There are some things God just does not let us know. And lots of times that, well, let's say all the time, that's for our benefit. Because if, if you knew something disastrous was going to happen, in a little while, oh, would that not bring such a distress and horror in your life? The Lord has not let me know when he's coming again. He's not let you know either. And if anybody stands and say, gives you a date and time, says this is when the Lord's coming, <laughs> folks, write them off because the Lord has not let nobody know. All right? So <clears throat> there is that. There is the mental darkness. Sometimes uh, there's infirmity, a physical condition that uh, there, and he, he, just, he just doesn't let us know. Paul, he put the thorn in the flesh. And he basically told 
Paul, I'm, I'm keeping this there so that you will stay humble, paraphrasing, and glorify me. But sometimes we, we just we don't know. And then, let me use an illustration here. God's working things for our good and for his glory. I believe Romans 8, 28. If I, I didn't, I'd be in trouble. But God's working in, in, in our life. And he's trying to continue to mold us and shape us. He's continued drawing us closer to him. He wants us to be more like Jesus every day. And he wants to provide good things for us. But I thought about something I read. Back before World War I, some of the sweetest singing canaries were found in the mountains of Germany. And there was a store owner in America that tried to get these birds because they, I mean, they had such a sweet, lovely sound. Well, World War I broke out, and they was not able to get the birds anymore. So he took some regular canaries that he had raised, and he recorded, somehow, recorded the sound of those lovely canaries, and he played it continuously for those that he had raised in hopes that they would start producing that same sweet sound. And he was, <laughs> he was failing. It just, it wasn't. And so one day, he took and he darkened the cage yes. of the birds, of the canaries he was working with. He put black cloths over them, put them in the dark. And he began to play the tape. And he began to listen and he began to learn. Those canaries began to pick up that sweet sound. Those canaries that he had raised were now beginning to sound like those sweet canaries he was wanting them to sound like. And he realized that when he, he put them in the dark, he blocked out all the sunlight, he blocked out all the distractions, he blocked everything out so that they were just concentrating on what they were hearing. Let me say, sometimes I believe God puts uh, us in the dark uh, there so we can block the world out, so we can block everything out, so all we can hear and it focuses on Him. Look at it from spiritually. Sometimes spiritually it can be from an uh, immaturity. Saints choose not to grow. You remember Paul, he was constantly correct in the church at Corinth, wasn't he? He said, I want to give you meat. I want to give you more, but I can't. I'm having to give you the milk because you just will not mature. And sometimes there is spiritual darkness simply because a Christian does not desire to mature, and so they stay in spiritual darkness. I'm saved, born again, but they can't comprehend things of God. Sometimes that's immaturity. Sometimes it's, it's just a time of intimacy. Sometimes God, oh my goodness, He allows a darkness to come. And as we said, we can't focus on anything. Well, we can't see anything. There's just darkness. And it's just an intimate time. Just us and the Lord just Oh, may communicating, fellowshipping with Him. 
sometimes that spiritual darkness is God is just saying, come on. I just want to have a little closer relationship with you. Come on. Just get a little closer to me. Just walk a little closer with me. Come on. And sometimes, oh my goodness, we have those spirit, hey, those time of darkness. So identify the darkness. Right quick, we've got to hurry. Interpret the darkness. What is its purpose? Again, we've been talking about that. I want to share this with you, and I'm, going to do, I'm just going to run through this quickly. I want you to realize something. This darkness is a, a spirit that is it's not unique to you. You remember in 1 Corinthians 10, he said, There have no temptation taken you, but it's such as common to man. But God is faithful. That word temptation there is not the solicitation to do evil, but he's talking about trials and tribulations and things. In this situation, it darkness, but he says what is common to man. In other words, you're, it's not unique to you. It happens in, in everyone's life at some point in time. The experience <coughs> is not unending. In other words, praise God, praise God, it will not go on forever. We experience things here in this life for a period of time. But I'm going to tell you what, uh, praise God, it's, it's not unending. It's going to end one day. Michael said uh, here, when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. He says, when I'm in darkness, I'm just going to keep looking to the Lord. Light's going to shine through. Light's going to shine through. Uh, folks, it isn't going to last forever. Let me say this. Hey, this experience is not unpardonable. If you've committed sin, confess your sin. God's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you uh, there uh, from all unrighteousness. Hey, listen, it's not unpardonable. And then let me finish with this and say this, this experience is not unprofitable. In other words, uh, there God has a purpose in it. And it is beneficial to us. So we have uh, here the interpretation of the darkness. But quickly, the improvement that comes from the darkness. What is the outcome? Well, let me say this. Acceptance. God is working in our behalf. Awareness. Reach for His hands. I read the story of a dad and, and his daughter, they were laying there and just, the room went completely dark. And she called out, Daddy, will you hold my hand? And in the darkness, he reached and took her hand. And in just a few minutes, the little girl went off to sleep, holding on to his hand. I'm going to tell you what, that's what we've got to do. Just grab a hold of the Lord's hand and hang on. Well, let me say this. There is anticipation. We have the anticipation of His peace, His presence, His power, His pardon, and His purpose. But let me say this. There is an assurance. God's light 
will shine on us again. Isaiah 50.10 Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and have no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. And the psalmist said in 112, he said, Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness. Let me say, if you're here this morning and you're a lost soul, don't continue in darkness. Come out of darkness unto the light. If you're here this morning and you're a born-again saint of God and you've allowed sin in your life, and you've got unconfessed sin that has brought darkness, it's time to come. Confess that sin out there. Hey, listen, <laughs> and let some light shine through. Dear saint, you may be living for God. You've done absolutely nothing wrong, but yet you're in a time of darkness, and it just don't make sense. It don't. Let me say, come this morning and grab a hold of the hand of the Lord. Let Him encourage you. And continue to look for His light. For His light will shine through. I'm telling you, there's times in my life I've said in darkness. There's still times. I say, Lord, what are you doing? I'm in the dark, Lord. I don't understand. But you know what? We just have to grab a hold and hang on. And let the Lord let some light shine through. 97.5 Glory FM is WGTJ Murrayville Gainesville and W248DL Murrayville Gainesville.